Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have actor Julian Giello. Julian is one of the nicest and hardest working actors in the game, and he also helped me get this podcast together. You know him from projects like The Carrie Diaries, Iron Fist, and Alex Wolf's upcoming directorial debut, The Cat in the Moon. Here's our conversation. Long time no see. Yeah, man. Jesus. Yeah. That's the weirder part about getting older is even though you're so close with people, you see people less frequently. And it's so like amazing when you do. So it's yeah, good to see you. Yeah, your life paths sort of like divert in their own ways, but not like in a bad way, just sort of in like a we get lost in our own thing. Yeah, you know, it's weird, man. I just turned 29 and it's like, oh my God, I'm about to be 30 next year. And it's yeah, just like right. all these life things start coming in. Exactly. But enough about me, man. Let's talk about you. So dude. Let's start from the beginning. Julian. Sure. Jayello. Yao, right? <laughs> Julian Yao Jayello. That's how we say it. And that's how we say it. G-Y-G. Uh, great rapper name. Yeah. <laughs> like G-Y-G. Yeah, man. So let's start, dude. You grew up in New York, right? Um, Yes. Born and raised. The little podunk town of Stuyvesant Town. Stuyvesant Town. Side. Yeah. On the north side or the... On the southeast side. So I was on 16th and C. So I was right next to, you know, like Alphabet City. In the C. Con yeah. Edison building. Yeah, the big giant power plant and like all the 40s ounce bottles of beer. And the, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was probably when Avenue C was not with like artisanal mayonnaise spots. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And uh, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, there's no artisanal mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10, 15 years ago when I was growing up there. I mean, I guess I left eight years ago. Yeah. Um, But I was living there since I was four. Um, I'm 26 now. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty sketch sometimes. Yeah, we would go biking through, and you know, did you have would... an awareness of that as a kid or no? Totally. I mean, yeah, yeah it was like you know, Stuyvesant Town is kind of like a like a rent stabilized type uh, affordable housing complex yeah. until like eight years ago or ten years ago, and then they sold it to this big real estate company. Yeah, it was the biggest, It was the biggest real estate sale in the country in America. Five billion dollars, whatever. It's insane. And then they just quadrupled all the rents, kicked all the old people out, and, and all the Goldman Sachs bros. All the there Goldman now. Sachs bros, or Goldman Sachs bros in training, are like, you know, grad NYU school dorms and yeah. stuff like that. And they got glass. A lot of human resources like, babes there now too. Human resources babes. <laughs> something was said today. <laughs> but that's cool, man. So your dad is a is an artist. Yeah, my dad's a photographer and uh, wallpaper and painter and you know all that stuff. He does he does everything. And your mom lives in. Uh, and my mom lives in Taiwan. Yeah, so it. I grew up with mom uh, in Taiwan. So I didn't really know her that well growing up. Um, but when I was like nineteen, we reconnected, and then I've been trying to go back to Taiwan as much as possible to see my family there that I didn't know, like my sort of like more distant family. Yeah. And you're you're a twin, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm a fraternal twin. Um, my sister's. Two minutes older. Um, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, I love being a twin. I mean, we. I used to in this studio do radio shows. Uh, we do shows about birth order and, wow. and what order you're born in is really important to how your personality sort of exists and what kind of relationships you have with other people. Interesting. Um, and have, being a twin, I think, is is a really special one. Yeah, it's um, such a unique experience. Twins out there. She's obviously a girl. She's my sister. So it's it was like I feel very comfortable, you know, having emotional, honest conversations with women. So a lot of my best friends are are women that I really feel like are my confidants. Yeah, you do like, get along with women yeah, really yeah. well. But yeah. like not in like, I mean, I definitely like, you know, you know, being in love and all that. But yeah. I also have like a real strong connection with women just in a platonic friendship way, like uh, to look out for each other emotionally and stuff like that, which is really nice. It's funny. It's like you're one of maybe less than 10 people I've met in my life where it's just like 
you're the most positive, genuine dude where everyone kind of has their faults and like, you don't really have any. And if anyone ever like upset you, I would like, I'd have to murder them. (laughs) You know, like you're just such a genuine, great guy. And it's like, (laughs) well, please don't murder anybody on my behalf. But yeah, Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. that. But that's great, man. So then with your single father, so to speak, you know, being an artist and living in New York, it's a different upbringing than most people get. I grew up in the suburbs. So what was that like growing up in the city? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm, to me, I'm like, oh, it's pretty normal. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, you have nothing but, to compare it to, so you don't yes, know otherwise. I mean, yeah. I had my, I mean, also, I lived in this weird sty town, which is like, you know, a weird oasis in New York where yeah. it's like, there's like, but 12 parks and there's like birds every morning you wake up and it's quiet and an ice know? skating rink yeah well they that was a new thing that used to just be an empty cement thing wow. yeah it's crazy you know i was 10 years old taking the subway on my own around like we walking around you just like hustling all the time you know you go to these public schools you, you're, you're just running around learning things meeting all kinds of people hearing all kinds of languages every day trying all kinds of food and you're kind of on your own really young so like me and my sister were like you know my dad's working because he's single father and yeah. so he, He's working his ass off. Me and my sister are like, you know, doing our own thing. So we're like at the Boys and Girls Club and we're like biking around and I'm playing catch with my buddies and we're playing video games and like we're in the park and like we're just like making things and whatever. You know? So I'm so jealous of that because it seems like most kids that grow up in New York City, they get a profound sense of independence so yeah, early. pretty early on. Because you're, you're, I see like eight-year-olds on the subway by themselves. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. If yeah, my yeah. parents lost me at Walmart when I was eight. I'd panic in the grocery yeah. aisle. Like, Yeah, no, I know. I yeah. see some kids that grow up in the suburbs and it's like, I, would I don't want my kids to go. I mean, you do grow up kind of early in the city. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that you end up doing when you're 18 <laughs> as someone in the suburbs you tend to do when you're like 13 yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's also like you're over it soon and then all of a sudden you're like yeah i moved out the second i was 17 and i could go to i, I just was like i'm gonna put myself through college you know my dad didn't have the money to put me through college private school so i was like i want to do that though because i went to public school my whole life so i was like i need to do private school and that's where we met yeah nyu yeah i was like i need to be in a class of 12 people not 40 yeah where the teacher does care about what i think not like good luck and <laughs> like yeah that was a really special time because it was the first time i was like I f- i'm feeling like i'm hurt and it was important to like sort of find that independence really early on um so yeah i was like moved out when i was 17 at my my house and i was like i'm gonna get my own place finally i've been waiting for this but before we get to the college part Art, growing up with the father as an artist yeah. and you're you're an artist now you're an yeah. actor and a musician how did you kind of get into the arts was that something your father kind of forced you into um, at a young age or is it something? yeah i mean look my dad he's a sort of multi-talented dude he's photography and um, visual Dr- art are drawing, like his yeah. main successes yeah. as an artist as an adult but i mean when he was when he first had me my sister he was acting a lot he was doing a couple like uh indie things commercials he was doing the classes he was he was uh, doing improv and like doing shows and stuff like that he he would do stand up as well like he was definitely in the acting world and he always has had that sentiment and so when i was even like 4 years old me and my sister he was we were doing like commercials like twin commercials wow. toys r us and target and we were doing AT&T all these commercials every day and do, then do you have memories of those oh yeah totally yeah wow. like i remember there was a commercial when me and my sister were like we were like these cute little asian twins you know i'm, no I'm half way. asian but we look like we look full age. We had these bowl cuts, and there was this Japanese company who was doing like a documentary on my dad uh, because we were these like little Asian kids being raised by this Italian guy from the Bronx. So no way. it was like kind of you know uh, it was it was cute. And uh, when we were younger, yeah, he was trying to get both of us into performing arts. He gave me and my sister. He said like play the piano. You're gonna play the piano. Yeah. I didn't like it at all, so I, I ended up taking the guitar, and that's been like my thing. And amazing. I, I sang in the chorus in second and third grade in church. We sang at these. Uh, 
uh, we're like Buddhist, so we sang at the sort of like Buddhist. It's hard to get into. Yeah. <laughs> but these like spiritual meditation things every every Sunday as well, and I would sing there as well. And so I did a lot of singing, guitar, and then uh, he had me acting pretty early on. And I had a couple of successes when I was like 10 and 11, but they were tough because uh, I was Asian and it was not. It, it is what it is now. Yeah. And even now it's, I mean, but it's definitely like you see Asian actors on screen now. Yeah. But back then it was like. B.D. Wong or no one else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like yeah. you're either like Jet Li yeah. and you're Kung Fu Master or you're not on TV. It, it was tough because I, I like I casting a School of Rock with Richard Linklater when I was 11. And they cast me as the guitarist because I had been pl playing classical guitar since I was six. Mm -hmm. So I was like this kid who played classical guitar and I was 11. They were like, perfect, perfect time, perfect age. He's good. Did like four callbacks for this thing. And then out of the blue, they're just like, hey, you know, the, they don't really think the Asian kid would play guitar. A Spanish kid would play guitar, and an Asian kid would play piano. So they changed the Asian kid to be playing piano, and then I didn't play piano. And it's just like, this is like a stereotype. And it's kind of silly, because, you know, it's like what, what people can't see an Asian kid play. I mean, it does, it's just a... The semantics yeah, of that it's just, it's just, so it's, it just feels silly. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I feel like when your parents, I don't want to say force, but introduce you to things as a kid, it goes twofold. You either hate them and resent them for it, or you right. totally love it. So you loved it. Uh, to be honest, I, actually, acting was a like a complicated journey for me. Yeah, um, I mean, my Talk dad, about that. my dad, he was an artist, and he definitely wanted me to do this. I mean, I mean, when I was younger, I loved like computers. I really loved like tech and video games and teaching myself to code and stuff. When I was like eleven, twelve, World like, of Warcraft, uh, really on that. I did that for like six months. Then I was like, this is a good way to not have a life. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I or a like, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no, I, I had a girlfriend. She did not like World of yeah. Warcraft. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, my dad had a pretty kind of strict work ethic with like. You have to practice 30 minutes a day with guitar. Um, you have to do your auditions. It was kind of like cool to have a parent who was creatively almost like, you know, disciplining me. Yeah. Um, and it was like I, there were times when I was rebelling against it. And then there was times when I was like, uh, actually, you know, like I really love this because I'm getting good at this and yeah. I'm doing talent shows and I'm winning things. So, I mean, now I'm like my whole life is acting and music. Totally. And I couldn't imagine anything else. Yeah, it was really, I really got to thank my dad for just pushing me to do that um, practice. And like good practice is so necessary at a totally. young age. So doing a consistently good practice in your work just builds like this basis that prepares you for anything, you know? Yeah. And so I was really lucky that I get that as a, at a young Shout age. Shout out yeah. Papa Jaiello. Yeah. But you went to a performing arts high school, right? Yeah, yeah, I went to LaGuardia High School. So like, When I, was that decision made? Yeah. It, I mean, it is an art school, but... No, no, I went to public school, middle school, and elementary school, just like at the schools that were there. They were like the gifted program thing, so I was kind of doing decent, you know, it was, it was decent schooling, you know? And then... When high school came around, I was like, I think I want to get back into acting because I did this musical, Guys and Dolls, in middle school. And oh, I was like, yeah. Sky Masterson at 13. And nice. I have, little, I have a little like puberty mustache and totally like a fedora, yeah. you know. And I'm like, lock me, old lady, yeah. you know, like whatever, trying to do my Frank Sinatra impression. And then my teacher, this Korean guy, Mr. Ko, he just like really took me under his wing. And like we coached me like every, every day for the two monologues you got to do to get in LaGuardia. Yeah. LaGuardia. To be honest, is the Juilliard of high school had a harder pro. It was a harder program to get into than NYU was. I it was that. like we had to do a comedic monologue and a dramatic monologue. We had to do improv. There was four callbacks. Oh my god! If there's eight thousand people apply and fifty get in each year, oh it my was like god, crazy. that's crazier than Juilliard. Or forty, forty get in. It was really selective, so I was really scared and I, pre I prepared for a long time, but I ended up going in for. Guitar, singing, and acting got in for you all three. You have to three. choose one discipline. You got to choose one. Yeah. Because you major in it like a conservatory. Got of. it. So the idea is that you have your first 
half of the day is your all your academics. They have decent academics, you, you know. The and then the second half is like four periods of drama. I'm or so jealous. Music, of that. whatever. So it was really, really. I mean, that training was awesome. Yeah. Um, and the teachers there were like just so special. Um. So I mean, again, an, an, another very lucky place, and like I've made a lot of friends who have done very well now. Yeah. Some of your Florida. comrades, uh, Ansel Elgord, Timmy Chalamet. Yeah. Who, who I don't know. I don't know Ansel, but yeah. Timmy, you know, being one of my best best buddies, he went to LaGuardia as well for drama, a bunch of other, just a uh, like obviously Claire Danes and yeah, uh, what, what's what's the, Azalea Banks was in my job. Azalea Banks was no <laughs> yeah, but way. She's, she's a rapper now, obviously. I didn't know that. Um, but that girl Zazie Beats, she was in drama. Oh, right Zazie above was. Me. Yeah, she was. Um, it was a great place. You were doing shows yeah. every every semester, doing a putting up a play. So then let's, let, let's talk about that because getting that kind of conservatory training then, what, what made you at 18 be like, I don't think this is enough. I want to, I want to go, well, I, I want to go to another conservatory. Yeah. I mean, when I got to college time, I was already had an agent and I was like, I had done commercials and stuff, but I hadn't worked since I was like 11. So I, I had the agent from when I was 11. you took that break and then you yeah, went I, to high school. I, and you I went... lost the big job and the whole thing. And then I was like really sad about it. Yeah. And then. And, and in a high, at LaGuardia, I'm sure they do not allow you to audition. I mean, you're in school. You yeah. literally can't leave school. I mean, you can go afterwards. But I mean, I wasn't able to audition in high school really that and much. That's and every not now where your head's at. But I was like, you know, I have an agent, but I want to be like, I want to have a, I want to have a long career. Right. Like, that's what everyone keeps telling me. If you get the theater training, then you will um, have a longer career and you'll have the tools to be an actor for the rest of your life, not just for a year. You know what I mean? That's kind of what you hear a lot. Yeah. And I applied to 10 schools. And at the time... How many of those being East Coast? Nine of them were computer science. I wow. Computer science. Oh and I got God. into Oberlin. I got into Binghamton. All these like, you know, schools for computer engineering, Northeastern or whatever. Yeah. And then the only one I applied to for theater for acting was NYU. And I was kind of like a last minute, like, oh, I should just do it. It you was know? a last minute for me too. Because I, I was like, I should go to college for something that's useful. That's yeah. why I was like, and I like computers and yeah. whatever. It's kind of cool. And it's like, like, I was like, damn, you know, I really like acting. Like I, I want to, you know, I want to keep doing it. And so I ended up getting into NYU and I'm sitting there going like, well, this is the most expensive, but they gave me all this scholarship, and yeah. but I'm gonna have to put myself through it. I'm gonna have to work three jobs the whole time. I have to take out some loans, and um, but I was like, I gotta do it. And also, the main thing is that I wanted to stay in New York. Yeah, talk to me about that because I think New York is a city. It makes you or it breaks you. And at 18, were you 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 still were kind of enchanted by the city, or? I mean, I became like a, a tour guide for all my friends that are coming so you into the you, city. you have a but, real profound love relationship. Yeah I, yeah, I love New York. I mean, it's tiring and it can be very like everyone's hustling. Yeah, you know? it's overstimulating. But, but I, appreciate the, I appreciate the stimulation. I mean, I need it. Yeah. You know, when I go to other places, I'm like, ooh, I need something to do. I know, I need it's so more weird. food. I need more this. I need a new person. And, and not having street lights is yeah. so weird to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and but I mean... There is something like I gotta get out of here at some point. Yeah. And like when I go to other places and I go to LA or I go to you know like a sun, Colorado, I'm like, Whoa, oh my god, America is, can be really beautiful. Totally. You know, there's like nature and stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and I definitely have a place in my heart for that. But but yeah, no, I mean New York, I I'm really happy I stayed, and I wasn't a huge fan of the NYU conservatory. I hated the theater it program, but I did like you know we did this we did that program Stone together Street. Stone Street which yeah. I, I I thought was cool because until our third year we were doing this primary studio this primary studio where you're you know you're paying eight hundred dollars a class to like roll around on the floor yeah blindfolded and like and go like let me connect with my breath and like there's really important stuff to be learned in theater school but that stuff can kind of be boiled down to don't be afraid to do things in front of people yeah. 
um, and don't hesitate when you're given direction. Totally. Those are basically the two things. And then otherwise, there's technique that you're learning that is like for theater. And I'm sitting there going like, I want to do f film and TV. Like that's my main thing. Yeah. And so you spend a lot of time in theater programs going like, I want to learn how to do film and TV. I'm going to use what I'm learning here, how to project my voice and, and how to Stanislavski, do accents and how to learn Stanislavski yeah, yeah. and to do this and this thing. And then I'm like, I get out of the theater program and I'm... You were at Playwrights, right? Yeah, I was at Playwrights Horizons, yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there going like, wait, no one talks like I do on TV and and how come I'm not getting as much work as I'd like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I go into Stone Street, and so I hadn't gotten any TV work, and I had an agent at the time. You know, I'm sitting there like, I, I have I'm going out on a couple of auditions, but they're not... Co-star, guest star kind of things? Yeah, or even, you know, series regulars for pilots wow. and stuff. And yeah, because you had credits at this point. Uh, when I was younger, I yeah. had, like, some credits, and I'd done some theater and stuff, and I had the training now, yeah, I guess. obviously. Um, two major institutions. Right, right. Yeah. Two, you know, but to be honest, uh, people are like, you went to LaGuardia? Yeah. Like that? And to, I preferred the I mean, this is, uh, you know, horrible to say, but no, I, I, I preferred the program at, at LaGuardia, yeah. um, the acting program, because it was less focused on this crafty, this is your craft theater thing, yeah. the old school way. Yeah. And LaGuardia was more like, be a good actor. How can you be good? How can you show passion? How can you take risks? You know what I mean? Um, and it was amongst other kids and the people there had gotten there out of merit. And NYU, sometimes it feels like they got nepotism. in there because it was nepotism or money or they really wanted to be an actor, but they weren't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like, I totally it was a lot of that. And I just, I, you know, the first two years were tough, you know. The first two years broke me. I yeah. dropped out after my first two yeah. years. I hated it so much. I remember it was in my second year and I had an audition for this really cool, whatever, pilot that I was so excited for. And this role was, it was 19-year-old Julian and mixed race, whatever. And I was like, oh, this audition's at 2 p.m. But I've got this like class where I have to roll around on the floor at 2 p.m. Yeah. on Friday. And I was like, hey, went to the head of the thing. I said, hey, can I just go for this audition? Like, it's really important to me. I have an agent. I really think it's a good role for me. And they go, well, you know, the, um, the rules are if you miss two classes, you fail. And you've already missed one because you were sick. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And she's like, so you could go to the, the audition and waste $15,000 that you spent on the semester, or you can come to class. And when she said that to me, I was like, word, like, I'm done with this. Dude. Like, I, I, I understand the craft and, like, working in it. And there were, there were a lot of things. Yeah. Vocally, there's things that to keep give you resistance and the ability to do it every day. Really, they make your body strong, and it, it, it scares the crap out of you. Yeah. So that you are able to be scared and do it in front of 80 people or 100 5,000 people, whatever. The idea that they're going to be so rigid to slow down someone in their program's growth or ability to do what they love and what they're there for, to me, is irrational and just weird. I'm so glad you bring this up, and she'll probably kill me for saying this, but yeah. one of my closest friends, Rachel Brosnahan, that yeah. I met at Primary Studio, yeah. it's funny because like, people are like, oh my God, she's so big. But like back then, she was auditioning for this stuff. That, of that caliber and had the exact same thing. I'm pretty sure they did fail her, but it's so funny now. I get the NYU alumni emails and every time she wins a Golden Globe, it's like, look at our yeah, alumni. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. you were fucking failing her yeah, and telling yeah, yeah. her yeah, like, yeah. and yeah. now you're trying to bankroll on yeah. her success. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I get those those envelopes and I'm like, guys, I mean. Yeah, my bank account says I negative $275,000. <laughs> I still owe you money. Yeah, like, come on. Um, but yeah, so there's that whole thing. And then Stone Street was this like holy grail. I mean, it's not the most incredible acting program in the world, but it was it was really cool because it was business oriented and it was about, 
If you get an audition, hell yeah, go to the audition. This is how you're gonna do the audition. Yeah. This is what you're gonna deal with in the real world. This is what you actually want to learn. I mean, yeah. that was great. We we met. We had a great time there. It I mean, was yeah, some of the best memories. And of then my I life. got my first recurring role in, yeah. during school there. Well, yeah. and, and and that's the thing too, man. Is like I think in some ways that primary studio training is just wielding out like how much you really want to act, and it's like. I think we started with like something like a hundred in my freshman class, right. and by the time it was the spring semester, first year, we were down to like thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's dropping out. Yeah. I mean, everyone's yeah. dropping out, and also it felt like I was in the wrong program. Totally, they, had, I was, they put me in the wrong place. Yeah, I was like, that's I don't the other thing. They don't, they don't let theater. you choose what kind of method you want to study. Yeah, they assign yeah, you. Exactly. So then we're we're there, and you had an agent at the time in primary studio, right? Um, yeah, I did. I did. I, I was freelancing with my current agent, and but I hadn't signed with them. Got but, it. So them so seeing you at like Stone Street casually, but then at Stone Street, I ended up doing. They have a showcase every week, which is one of the most incredible things that I think I I tell people every day to go to Stone Street because their showcase is unreal. Yeah, I, I had five agents while I was at Stone Street freelancing with me. And I'm like sitting there going like, it's only because I see these people every week and I get to do a monologue in front totally. of them. Totally. And it's actually known as like a place where there's good, grounded, realistic film actors yeah. that are there. Um, or Selma being Blair, trained. They're Rachel. being trained to do film acting, which is on camera. It's different than theater. Yeah. <laughs> and so they taught that there and it was like really, really amazing. So I'm freelancing with all these people. I ended up signing with the agent I had before anyways. To kind of summarize quickly, yeah, after graduation, how quickly was it from graduation to Carrie Diaries? Uh, I did Carrie Diaries during school. You did during yeah, school? Yeah, So I, I got to do my first, it's a CW show, like prequel to Sex and the City. It's like a teeny bopper thing. It was a really fun show. And how was that experience, going from like being in a film TV great. studio to now being? It was great. I was I just finished Stone Street. Um, Actually, no, I was in Stone Street, my last semester at Stone Street. And then I had went in through my agent to um, Jessica Daniels Casting, who's wonderful, Jessica Daniels. She was casting that show at the time. She casts now... Um, bunch of pilots, John Mayer's new pilot, okay. and, and a bunch of other things. And I met with her for two other roles for Carrie Diaries, or no, for one one other role, and they we went well, call back, but then they didn't pick me. And then I went, they came in for the showcase. I did the scene with them again. I said, I want to do this scene with you, and I want you to tell me why I didn't get it. Wow. Because what I, a I baller like, what a, move. What a nice chance yeah. to have like this. And so we did it again, and they went, you know, they really loved you. It's not about your acting at all. It's just like you didn't look like the kind of character that they wanted. But... We love your acting. And if they love your acting and you're being yourself, which I found over time, which is nice, is they just go, let me call you back in for like another role. Because this show is good for you. It's your age range. It's yeah. your type. It's your vibe. But when the character comes along, it'll be perfect. And like a month later, they try another character. He's an older guy. It doesn't really work for me again. And then the third one, and this is because I got to speak with them at, through the showcase. The third one, they bring me in. It's like the perfect role. It's like this... You know, I get very boyish, cute, sweet guy, you know, and that was it. And it was like I went in, did a callback, did the chemistry, and then boom, I'm in it. And I'm shooting it during school. And you tell your teachers and they're cool with it since you're not in the conservatory. Yeah. They're like, yeah, go for it. I mean, meanwhile, if I was in playwrights, they probably would have been like, uh, well, do you want to, you know, learn the craft or do you want to work? And yeah. I'm like, I'd be, well, I want to work. Yeah, Come that's on, how I'm going to pay these loans <laughs> yeah, off, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious though, man. Like, obviously yeah. I know you went to the Guardian, a lot of huge people came out and you had friends that were probably working at various points, but what did it feel like for you to finally be on a set and, and to be deputized, so to speak? Oh no, it was, it was, I mean, unreal. I mean, the dream of, all actors is to be on set yeah. and doing speaking roles. And that's so cool. And you got to do that while you were still in college. Yeah, so it was it was a really nice, like, wow, this has actually worked out. You know, like, this has actually turned into something. Yeah. And I've worked all this time 
to actually do this. You know what I mean? So it was really, it was really a cool first step into TV, and it was very satisfying. I was 20 years old, I think, at the time. It was my junior year, or wow. maybe the beginning of senior year. And this is like right, right about that time where where Netflix was a relatively new phenomenon doing original content. Yeah. It was before like the content bubble that we yeah. live in now. Yeah, it was CW, but it's Carrie Dyers is on Netflix now. Yeah. Um, they like, you know, they licensed it. Do you get syndication for that? Um, or no? Syndication. No, syndica- syndication only happens from fi- season five on. Got it. Um, we had only had two seasons. Um, it does still play on there. Yeah, That's great. That's cool. Yeah. And that was a good experience? Like you did, you look back oh, at that time that fondly? great. Yeah, I'm one of my best friends, Stefania. Um, oh, Owen. is that where you met? We met. Yeah, we played boyfriend and girlfriend in that show. No way. And also, one of my other best friends, uh, Anna Sophia Rob. She's uh, she was in Billy Wonka and all kinds of amazing old school movies. And she's she's really really talented. She's in that new move, new show, The Act, that came out on Hulu. Oh yeah, I saw the ago. trailers for that. It's incredible. Definitely watch it. Then, but yeah, I-, I met a lot of my best acting friends uh, on that show as well. And they, you know, New York now, which is really cool. And then that show was unfortunately one of the ones where I think they decided to go a different creative direction with CW and they, they, they canceled it, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, they CW was going into like a superhero boom. Yeah. Um, and all the kind of Gossipy Girl type shows were sort of dying down. The teen, they finished Gossip Girl and um, a lot of the teen shows, romance, like, you know, the sort of, they're almost like very lightly soapy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but for teenagers, kind of were dying down. Um, they, I think they went, moved it into the direction. And it was also the internet age. Like People were starting to watch stuff on the internet a lot more. So we had the highest ratings on the internet, but we had the lowest ratings on TV because it was a younger audience. So it was like this kind of weird thing where it was just like, you know, this happens and you move on, you know? And so then going off that high, how, how did you stay sane and focused to continue the journey? Uh, you know, I did my episodes of that. I got really sad finding out that it was canceled because they were going to make me a regular for yeah. the third season was what they were saying. Um, but, you know, you just keep grinding. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know, now I've done a show. Um, I've done a recurring role, which is they wrote more for me. You know, at first it started off as like a one episode maybe guest star type thing and yeah. they said maybe it'll they say something called possible recurring it means that they want to test you out if they like you and the audiences like you and the writers feel like it's easy to write for you then they'll write for you but if it's not then it doesn't work um that's the cool thing about recurring roles they they're very like no strings attached but they turn they can turn into a lot more yeah um some of the, your favorite characters on tv tend to be recurring recurring so, roles so yeah i i see a lot of actors i don't want to say i'm not saying you but like they get lucky and they get money and then they spend it and then all of a sudden oh my god I, i'm out of a yeah. job and i know you're a financially responsible an overall responsible dude so what did you do hustling wise to stay alive during- um my god dude i mean well so i was you know i mean i had a twenty five thousand dollars scholarship to tish so i mean that was thank god yeah um but i was still paying like 10 or 15 a year out of pocket so i was like i gotta pay for my housing gotta pay my tuition da, 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 da. so i mean i was working four jobs i was actually doing a radio show here in this um, studio in this studio wow i was i learned to engineer how's it uh, feel to come full circle now <laughs> oh hey uh, yeah. you know um i've always been in computer stuff that always made me money tutoring uh, fixing computers doing web design i minored in web design and uh, and maybe music engineering as well awesome um and, and are you one of those actors that does go out for commercials still or no i hadn't for like a year and then yesterday to be honest commercials are um mostly non-union they're trying to do more union commercials because it's like commercials you don't need a name unless you really need jennifer aniston and, right and jennifer aniston's in the union so she gets a lot of money but if if you just need to look at the camera and, and sip and then say ah yeah um you don't need an actor for that you just need someone who looks good yeah you know works for that what were we talking about <laughs> just hustling post, post yeah oh, hustling I, yeah. Mean, I mean i think of my actor hustle as when i was 18 or 19 summer my sophomore year i just needed money yeah. to pay for housing and tuition and all that so i 
went uh, <laughs> worked in Times Square um, as a, I found this job on Facebook or something. I had, I had auditioned for it. But oh my it was, god! But it was not not an acting role, and uh, I get there and it's this like little closet in this forty story office building. I mean, like actual closet of an office basically that it's called theater mama and um we go in there there's just a bunch of costumes and like 18 other actors that are trying to make it happen of various ages from 18 to 50 oh my God. and uh they're putting on chicago outfits they're putting on i had to wear sergeant pepper like a like Beatles. a neon yeah. blue or orange sergeant pepper outfit polyester full body suit and it would be 105 degrees it was the summertime oh in times God. square i mean it was 105 degrees every day, and I had to go out and go, come see the Beatles, 50% off, come see the Beatles, the Blackbird singing in the dead of night, yeah. da, 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 da. come see the Beatles, hey, Rain on Broadway. There was a show called Rain on Broadway, it's like a tribute, Beatles tribute yeah. band. And so that's what I did, I made, you know, basically above, right above minimum wage, I worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week for three months. It was miserable, but it was also like, it was like, you know, I think it was the New York equivalent, New York actor equivalent of like working in the fields. Yeah. I felt like I was plowing the fields, planting the seeds. Yeah, yeah I bet. Watering it, building my own irrigation. Like, you know, this yeah. is what this was. It was like, you're sweating out everything. You're giving your heart every day. And you know that this is to pay for my education and to make it so that I can follow my dreams. And it's like, the, simultaneously, it was like a decent paying job, better than uh, working as a barista or something like that. Totally. And I got to sit around and sing. I mean, I, I made it You got to thing. practice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I didn't have to sing, and I didn't have to do everything, but you would get rid of more brochures faster. And so I would stand on the corner, and I became like that guy who would be singing all these Beatles songs, and people would come around, take videos. People would start going, hey. I mean, none of it was. Hopefully some of this of it was is on real, your next credit on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's hope. Hopefully, yeah, it yeah. was right before all that got yeah. real big, Instagram yeah. and stuff. But, yeah, it was like people would come up and be like, I got a job for you. I got to do this. Are you in the show? But, uh, yeah. You know, and it was just like a little bit of like a just work my ass off time. Do this so that I can I can really yeah, follow my dreams. And I think that's like a big thing about being an artist in New York is like people aren't afraid to hopefully just really put the work in and do whatever the fuck you can yeah. to be able to do this. And then how long? Day. Of a gap was there between Carrie Diaries and Julie's Green Room? Well, so I I did a bunch of stuff in between as well. You did, so, yeah. So there was sorry, like, I don't mean it. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but it was like a long. It was a long path. Carrie Diaries was not like you get one. It was a recurring role. It was amazing, and yeah. my agent was like really happy, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. But it doesn't mean that immediately after I you're got, gonna B series regular. Yeah, only. I mean, yeah. you hope that that it would happen that way, but it doesn't yeah. work that way. So uh, I did Carrie Diaries in 2013. Like when you have that kind of debutization, are you still going out for co stars at that point, or only guest star series regulars? Um, I totally go out for co stars. I did co star two years ago. Oh wow! Um, I still, I mean, co stars are don't want to hate on any role i know not at all a role is a role is a role and if it's a good show and it's a show you haven't been on yet it's cool why not you know it's a little bit of money and it's practice and it's like why not but i did the recurring and then the next fall i did something called the abc diversity showcase yeah marcy phillips yeah so that was that was a big thing because i've been going in for this for three years and i'm half asian and you know it was like this kind of it's this kind of cool like summer camp at abc up near my old high school on 67th Street. And you spend four weeks with them and they put up a show in a Broadway stage um, where you are doing comedy scenes in front of every agent, manager, cast and director in the country, basically. <laughs> like yeah. 400 people and they're all CAA, ICM, whatever. Wow. And uh, you're doing the showcase and that showcase, whether 
or not it really changed my career it, it gave me the confidence because to sort of stop trying to act so hard yeah and marcy sort of goes like you know you get cast in shows by just like being yourself and like when the right thing comes along then you are that person so much that we can't wait to write for you totally and so i spent a lot of my life going i gotta be more white or i gotta be more jetly i mean like i gotta choose one or or else i'm never gonna work because no one's writing roles for half asian dudes who are musicians and like and grew up in new york <laughs> yeah like no one's like let me write this asian role with this like guy who's got like a new york accent and like and like whatever you know what yeah. I mean? like it's like who's writing that no one so i'm like well i gotta be the other people and i don't know how to fit into this thing and i spent so much time doing that carrie diaries i got to play myself and i didn't realize it back then yeah but after the abc showcase i went let me just play me let me just do me and like when the role's right for me i'll get it so I got a manager out of that to just sort of kick my agents into gear because I hadn't went out in a while. And then like a month, two weeks into me having this manager, there's a movie comes along called Catfight um, where um, they need, Sandra oh, right? yeah, where they need yeah. a half Asian team kid to play Sandra O's oh son. And I go in for it and I was like, this is fucking awesome, man. Sandra O oh is like, like the Asian actress. I'm so glad she's having a moment right now because she's been crushing she's the She's been game crushing it for so long. For I, you know, I loved Grey's Anatomy and she was just sideways. so, she was such a badass. Yeah. And she's so funny. And, it's so funny because I bumped into her and I was like, my friend Julian did a movie with you. Yeah. And she was like, Oh yeah, Julian. She's like, "Did you see the movie?" I was like, "No, I didn't see it." And then she just looked at me. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, right. "I gotta see it." Now. I yeah. still haven't seen it. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was the first time. You, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, the the director. Also, was I like, love that actor. What's his name? The guy from uh, Californication. Yeah, he plays my dad. Yeah. What an incredible actor. Damien Young, that's right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was cool. Like I had to go in for a role and be like, they need a half Asian person, <laughs> which is like, I don't get that. Yeah. Like, who wrote that? But this guy owner, who's really, really mad genius. This guy's like an, a real artist, like auteur. He does like indie film and he's just got a super quick mind, writes really funny stuff, satire. He was like, I want to make a movie with two 40-year-old women because no one makes movies with 40-year-old women. And I want them to beat the shit out of each other. Like... And make everyone think it's going to be this cat fight, yeah. like where people are scratching eyes and stuff, and it be like the most brutal action ever recorded of. Wow. And so it's just the, it has these three fight scenes that are like 15 minutes long each that you're like, oh, my, oh God. my God. And so it, it's also a political satire, and he basically yeah. like, but he like called out the Trump presidency in like 2015. 2014 wow like he he literally wrote the script in 20 2011 or something 2012 and it's about this tv personality becoming the president and like everyone losing health insurance no way it, it, it's actually crazy because it came out yeah. the year before trump got elected and he written it years before and we shot it in 2014 but it was literally trump getting elected it almost felt like two on the nose when it came yeah. out because people were like wait this movie is just about life you know yeah but it, it was like this immense insane political satire of us going to war and losing our health care and this stupid tv personality guy becoming our president it was crazy That's i mean it was insane. like it was a cool role to do as a half asian dude but i mean i was like damn this is what a badass crazy. material yeah. yeah um i think the movie was totally nuts but really really fun you know? yeah then the netflix project comes yeah along. so then after that i was like i got an indie film i got supporting lead in an indie film i got my recurring thing 
And so we started just doing more. I was just doing the grind. Like, you know, you do as many auditions as you can. You find the thing that works for you. I got close on a bunch of things and 13 reasons why and whatever, yeah. you know. And then I ended up um, in the room for this thing that I kind of like discounted because I was like, there's I'm, there's a scene where I'm talking to a duck and it's yeah. a kid's show. What the hell is this? And I go into the audition. So I just, I'm joking, being real big, like having fun. And they're like, we love that. Can you come in next week and do this again? But the next time you're going to do it, it's going to be for Julie Andrews. Oh and I'm like, God. wait, what? And they I didn't go, tell you that she was attached? No, but I, 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 she was like one of the producers, but I didn't realize that she was like in the show. Wow. You know? And so then I go out to Henson, Jim Henson Studios in Queens, and I'm like 45 minutes late because of the train. I hop in a taxi. Taxi doesn't know where he's going. I'm like, that way, come on, Jim Henson Studios. <laughs> you know? And I'm running, and I get there, and they're like, thank God you made it. They were just about to leave, and I'm like, oh, no. I oh. made Julie Andrews, Dame Julie Andrews, wait for me. And there's all these people <laughs> on the conference call. Like, oh, my gosh. Just sitting there. I get in. I have my guitar because it's a musical show as yeah. well. Yeah. And they have me do improv with a puppet. I have to do 10 pages of scenes. I have to sing two original songs, seven people in the room, and then eight people on conference call. But it just goes so well. Um, and then I do a test like the next week. That's an incredible story because I feel like I imagine no matter how good of an actor you are, just because like, you know, people are late, but like being late, everyone's like, and then you win them over. I know. Yeah. And then they were like, we were worried you weren't going to make it. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. Like, I'm a dependable person. I yeah. promise. Like, you're so far out in Queens oh, and the God. trains were working. Being late. It's the worst. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, everybody um, be on time. Yeah. Actually, no, be 45 minutes. And no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so we did that. And then, you know, lo and behold, I ended up doing this really incredible three months in Long Island where I'm the lead of the show with Julie Andrews. And it's like this children's show, but we have like, you know, Alec Baldwin, your, your buddy. Yeah. Um, uh, episode one, we're teaching acting. We have Carol Burnett. We have him. I'm doing a duet with Julie Andrews in the studio. Yeah. I'm doing Josh Groban. I'm harmonizing with Sarah Bareilles. We're writing songs together. And it's all these really incredible um, artists. And well, it's, it's what an experience. Yeah. Talk to me about that, at least from an acting perspective, is like we all want work. Co-star, it doesn't matter. A job's a job. And so then as an actor, when you get something that you know is going to be a children's show and the demographics is going to be different, how do you then learn to channel your performance accordingly? Well, look, I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't work um, for like a year after that show. And I wanted to do dramas. I have that dream. I mean, I don't think it's the typical one. And I know it's not going to be, it's going to be a different path. But I have that dream of getting nominated for an Oscar and yeah. getting an Oscar, Who of course. Yeah. You, know? you know, I was sitting there and we had that conversation, my team and I. About taking the project. When I got the project, I was like, this is a children's show. Um, yeah. This is a children's show. There are puppets in this show. I don't want to be in Blue's Clues because I want to have a career as a serious actor. I want to take it seriously. I don't want people to take me seriously. But I was like, people take Julie Andrews seriously. 100%. People take Netflix seriously. People will take me seriously. And also, I just looking at what it was, it, it was perfect for me at the time. I mean, it, it literally, the breakdown said 24, which I was, Gus, his name is Gus, G, my name is Julian with a G, I mean, I'm sitting there, and go, we got both got G names, yeah. it says, multi-talented actor, singer, can juggle, can, I mean, I can juggle, whistle, beatbox, guitar play, everything. dance, yeah. act, these are all things that I just like doing, I like doing all these things, and they wanted somebody who was mixed race, and I was like, I can't not do this, yeah. like, this is calling for me this is a two month two and a half month commitment over the summer 
why would I not do this? What could possibly go wrong? You know what I mean? And anyways, even if something goes horribly wrong, which it didn't, I'm going to have so much fun doing what I love, singing, meeting all kinds of people, spending time with one of the most legendary actresses in the world, and just like doing what I love. And we'll see what happens. And I did it. And like, you know, I, for the next year, I went out for a lot of musicals. I did a lot of musical stuff. I got called in children's shows, you know, because wow. I'm the lead of a children's show. It's a big show for children. And now I'm like, that's my You're main that deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do five seasons of this show. Yeah. I'm going to do one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And luckily, everything ended up working out where it was like, they you know, have they're a... not going to do a second season because yeah. it just it didn't really make sense to yeah. do another one because it was like we did all of the different kinds of arts, yeah. acting and music and that. And we kind of like, what are we going to do? Spanish drumming and like, you know, yeah. Asian dance or something. It would be too complicated. And it was, you know, it was, it was a one time kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and Julie was 80, 81, you know. And, and I, how was that experience? I, I can't it was incredible. think incredible. Like, yeah. Incredible. Was she great? Yeah. She was, she's, I learned so much from her because she just taught me about doing the jobs that you enjoy doing. She told me don't do theater for five years and like kill your body because she did that. She almost lost her voice and she did eventually when she was 60 and had to get something removed and then the surgery was botched. She hurt her knee when she was doing Broadway for three years, My Fair Lady. I mean, there's so much that you learn about like not overdoing things yeah. and just being kind to people um, and giving love around. Like she really does that. She does this thing where she walks in a room and people just gravitate towards her because she has this omnipotence that is welcoming and warm and kind and there's love in her eyes you know what i mean she sells that it's her thing you know and yeah i learned a lot of, of that from her which was really great and work ethic and uh just working with incredible people is so special um so that, i mean that's a once in a lifetime and it's never going to be something i ever experience again i know that um and i'm so happy i did that because yeah of that, you know and it's immortal, you know. That's that's yeah. that's amazing thing about this medium, you know. Yeah, it's I know. Gonna it's, live forever. Yeah, until Netflix is getting up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. So then after that, how long was that between Iron Fist? Did a co-star in that year. That was the only yeah, it was thing on I did. Bull, right? Yeah, I did. You a show did with called... Holly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Holly had, told had me this, about like, that. Really quick co-star where I just say like a paragraph to this girl, and I was like, you know, let me do this thing, whatever. You know, it's a big deal. I get to play. There's an Asian sh soldier. I was like, cool. I don't get to play a soldier very often, and. He's Asian, and that's, I don't get to, you know, like, there's not a lot of roles for Asian guys, at least 2017. Um, and, I mean, it's starting to be yeah. now, which is really cool, and it's changing, but it's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, I did that, and then all of a sudden, I was just, like, having this, like, year of, like, I haven't gotten work, and I just did this lead of the show, and why can't I get work? You know, what's going on? And uh, I had this whole, you know, personal thing. I had this breakup and this whole thing. And I was just like, I just got to be myself, man. I got to stop trying to wear all the right clothes for the thing. I'm just going to wear a blue t-shirt to everything, be present and be myself and have fun with this because there's a lot of fun to be had. And I got four jobs in one week. <laughs> like I got this musical workshop. I got this pilot, that I, this comedy pilot that I shot up upstate. And then I got a role in that show Rise on NBC, a recurring oh, yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. And then this kind of series regular type role in this show Scream for MTV. I was like, I'm going to do the Scream show because that sounds awesome. Wes Craven. Um, yeah. Man. Wes Craven and Kiki Palmer's in it. Tyga, like Mary J. Blige, like really cool. RJ. RJ Kyler, who I love. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Georgia. I mean, I met some of my best friends yeah. in, this, in this job. I went out to Atlanta, shot for three months there, and that was an incredible, incredible experience because it was my first time like really being out, outside of the city uh, and shooting for a while. Uh, and then I came back from that, 
I immediately got Iron Fist, did a recurring on that for eight episodes, which is really cool. And while I was doing that, I did a movie called Cat in the Moon, which is an indie film. And then I proceeded to do two more indie films. I did my first lead. Is that the, the the Alex Wolf project? Yeah, so Alex Wolf's uh, directing debut. Um, it was a bunch of our friends. And Stefania ended up being in that as well. For Amazing. Harry Diaries, so we ended up working together again. Which um, That was just such a blast. Like It was just like you know six, six friends just hanging out and like shooting a movie together. The, and the dream. Living it. Living the, it. it was and I was doing it while I was doing Iron Fist. It was really cool. Wow. Was, I was like working you my ass so off. must have felt so empowered. It was awesome. Yeah, and then I went off to do this movie with a director from NYU. Um, who I had done musical stuff with back seven years ago, eight years ago, Tish48, she calls me and says, hey, we lost our lead. We're looking for someone to play this English poet from the 1800s. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And, Interesting phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, English poet, I'm never going to be able to play an English character. But that week, I had been sitting there going, I can do a really good English accent, right? Like, I can do like a yeah. real good Did it for seven accent. days a week, 12 hours a day. And I was like, I'm, I've always wanted to do that, but I'm never going to play like a period piece because it's all white people. Yeah. It's all white people. And historically, the character she wanted to be play is the whitest dude on earth. But she was like, I'm not looking at color for casting. I really just want to cast the people that have the essence of the character. It's not about that. So I send this tape in. Next thing you know, two weeks later, I'm upstate doing this movie for a month, and it wow. was totally amazing. I was working with an actress named Alex Wilton uh, Regan. Uh-huh. She's a really talented English actress, and it was me and her and uh, Claire Glassford from NYU as well, wow. actually. And it was like, you know, we're doing this indie film, but we're like, it's shot so beautifully. It's it's set at this manner in the 1800s. Everything worked out so perfectly. They, they let us use this manner because they wanted to have an authentic set piece for the for the movie because it's where a lot of this stuff actually happened with Percy Shelley and uh, Mary Shelley who who wow. wrote Frankenstein and this whole thing totally incredible and I was I was out there for my birthday um and I remember just like lying in the grass having a good cry being like I'm so grateful yeah. to be doing this so much and being challenged every day and doing a lead in a film is a really crazy experience cuz yeah. cuz it's indie indie films are just very different from they're very different from doing TV. There's a lot more time spent on your character. Totally. And everybody's a lot more respectful and a little less rushed to rush off to the next take, the next scene. And it's much more about like, let's give this the time to really set in and and find the vision. You know what I mean? Which is really cool. It feels like the artistic medium. for Film feels like the artistic medium. Yeah. I think there's a lot of TV that when it's directed by one person, it's a limited series, you know, that kind of thing. If the producers are right and it's not like a machine... They really will give the time for like cool limited series, it's like, um, and they feel very filmic, and those have similar experiences. But doing an indie film is just surreal. It's so great, and yeah. you don't get paid really anything, but you are out there like paying your rent, and you're doing what you love. And I, I would do that for the rest of my life. That's I mean, incredible. A week after that, I out of nowhere got this movie in Kentucky, um, which is like a teen thriller with uh, uh, another friend of mine who I'd done a short film with eight, nine years ago, um, he was an actor and now he's a producer. Wow. Um, and he goes out to my agents going, hey, can you can you send a tape for this movie? I, mean, I don't know, send a tape. And I was like, oh, I can't. I'm so tired from this thing. We were still shooting when they do the tape. So I was like, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So I passed on it. And because I was like, I literally can't do anything. I totally. have no time. I've been speaking an English accent for a month and I've been crying every day. Yeah. You know? But I get back home the next week and I'm sitting there and I got nothing to do kind of. And I was like, I, I actually messaged him 
by email because we had spoken eight years ago. We had met that one time on set. I said, hey, man, I'm so sorry I didn't get to audition for your thing. I really appreciate you asking. I didn't even realize it was you until I just looked, re-looked at the email. And he went, you know, we haven't cast it yet. Can you send a tape, like, tonight? The director would love to see you. I go to my coach, my my boy, Rob McCaskill, yeah. who's an incredible coach. Um, we bang out this tape, middle of the night. I send the tape uh, that night. They watch it, and then they go the next morning. Director loves you. Talk tomorrow. And then the next day, your cast come out to Kentucky in a week. And so then I'm out in Kentucky for three weeks doing this movie. With It was just a really fun, like, kind of, like, you know, horror, thriller, uh, teenage thing. We got a big guy from Riverdale, Trevor Steins. And, wow. Uh, we've got, like, a bunch of really other talented act- uh, actresses and actors, uh, Kara Royster, uh, Allie DeBerry, and some Disney people. It was nice. just really fun. Yeah, yeah. Really, really fun. Nikki Whelan. Um, and it was just, it's just such a great time. And, and I was like, I can't ask for anything more. Just like have fun in random places, doing movies with people that are wonderful. And so that was how I ended my year. With, Amazing, um, man. Yeah. Ending your year of, of 2018. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. And then like, obviously coming up and having so many friends in the business as an actor, you have friends that are actors, obviously, and have yeah. varying degrees of success. What's that like? Do you guys keep each other motivated, or you know? I mean, we we keep in touch in that yeah, way. Like, 100%. and I remember we were talking while I was out in Kentucky shooting this thing, and you you have connections with people, and I, I think if you're just putting good energy out in the world, and you are honest, and you're not a bullshitter, and you're not an asshole, and you're not pompous, and you're not going that I'm too good for this, or I'm too good for you. If you don't do that, like people go, I like this person. Yeah. Because they're straight up and they're kind. You know, it's one thing I've learned about this business is like, obviously, you know, we both love acting. Obviously, who doesn't love Daniel Day-Lewis? He's one of the best. Right, but you, you have to earn your way to that. Like, if you show up day yeah. one and think you can do the Lincoln thing, no no one's going to well, be. Well, yeah, and that's a silly, you know, that's the silly thing. It's like you, you go, uh, I've got the series regular role and the guy's whatever. He's a, he's a recluse. Yeah. So I'm going to be the ultimate recluse. I'm going to sit in my room for three days totally. and talk to anybody, and I'm going to be mute until I do the audition. And then when I get there, it'll be the first time I've seen sunlight. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you're doing this whole thing. <laughs> and it doesn't work. <laughs> and, and, and then they're like, this guy's crazy. Yeah, like, he, I know. He looks weird. He I smells talked to the casting director about this the other day. Yeah. It's called acting. <laughs> it, well, first of, all, first of all, Daniel Day-Lewis is playing these characters, and Christian Bale is playing Dick Cheney yeah. with prosthetics. Because he's proved himself for 15, 20 years Decades. that he can do characters and that he is the person to play that. Yeah. You are not going to get that role as no. Dick Cheney, period, yeah. unless you are already at that place. Yeah. You're not going to wow him so much with your own prosthetics yeah. and your own really incredible impression of Dick Cheney off the bat. But what you can do is go in and be a real person and be honest and do your own version of whatever that is. So if that character's a recluse, maybe he looks down a lot and like like for Catfight, my character's really introverted and he's an artist and he doesn't really speak a lot. And so I just made the choice and I worked with Ted on it. Yeah, Ted Slaberski. Um, Ted Slaberski, who I love. He's awesome. Yeah. He's straight up and yeah. such a great director as well. Yeah. We were just like, well, just look at your drawing. So just look at the drawing and don't really give as much eye contact with her. Because when you're a kid, you're 16 and you're, you're at home and you don't really feel accepted by your parents, do you look at them a lot? No. Yeah. No. And and that's how you can be introverted. Totally. It's not about um, this the, the hermit. Yeah. It's like the it's self-flagellation. Like, don't play the yeah. don't play the thing. Just choose behavior that real people would do that you would do. Yeah. If you were in that circumstance. 
So if I lived in a household where they were really rich and they were conservative and they didn't believe in artistry, I would kind of hide my drawings from them and I wouldn't really look at them and I'd be kind of shy about how I feel about yeah. things and and that's how the scene would go. And that sort of feeds the truth. I guess when you're in theater school, you're taught to like find an animal that embodies the character and then be an eagle, yeah. you know, and then or like doesn't work that way. You're you're yeah. a fist. Go and, be blue. Yeah, you're yeah. A, you're a closed fist and represent that fist with your physicality i mean there's ways that that works but like that's the kind of work you're doing once you're already on set yeah um not in the audition like you only have a day or yeah. two you can't like do a whole total insane change that you haven't worked on for years already yeah. there's prep time for that there's director's conversations there's literally dieting that you do when you're working for you're going to do transformative role you spend a year preparing for that role yeah not one day and you can't think that you can just do the prep that Daniel Day-Lewis is doing in a day. Of course. It, it's, it's like crazy, you know. Before we wrap, man, I, I just want to take a second to talk about your music. Let's let's talk about that. Dude. Um, well, yes, yeah, so the last couple of months, I mean, doing the pilot season thing, but I was kind of sitting around going like, damn, like I keep getting close to these things. And I know I'm good and I, I feel confident. I don't feel weird about anything. But I haven't gotten anything. And I'm like... What's what's the deal? Like, I want to have more control over my life. And you know? you've always been playing music. I know we didn't talk yeah. about it, but throughout the years, you were still doing shows at yeah, Rockwood and, shows, and uh, yeah, bitter what's end. the bitter end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. two shows. Um, and try to music's always been like my really, really, really big, intense hobby, <laughs> like really serious, but still a hobby. Yeah, know? not a career. Um, and this last couple of months, I was like, I produce my own music already. Let me just produce something that I feel comfortable with and see if I can put it out and what happens. And I put it out in January, like early January. My song's got like 40-something thousand listens ready. Wow. And I mean, I'm really happy with the recording. And uh, I just met You did it all in your East Village compound? Did it in my bedroom. Wow. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, oh, I can't do it because it's not professional. And it's like, let me just do it myself. And especially with music, bedroom is like fine. Yeah. Uh, it's totally fine. It's almost like wanted sometimes more. And so... I met with a record label two days ago, and I've got my first show on May 17th. Um, Where's that at? It's been blowing up a lot. Uh, elsewhere. Amazing. Elsewhere space in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited opening for this guy, Alan Tate. But I'm just going to be doing my solo thing there. So, I, I mean, it, I'm taking it much more seriously now, which is cool. And as What's an actor... What's the next step for you, a full-length a full length record? or? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I'll probably do singles until I feel comfortable and then put them all together. I, I've realized this this year, to be honest, while I was shooting that... You, you have so much free time as an actor. And when you're not working, the free time really is scary. Because oh, you're like, the I most need to do thing. something. Yeah. Even when you are working, there'll be weeks where you're not doing anything. And you're in the middle of nowhere. I'm yeah. in Louisville. I'm in like a mall complex where I'm living in a hotel or whatever. Like is, you know, alone in the middle of Kentucky. Yeah. And I'm like, what do I do? Totally. Like, what do I do for a week? Yeah. Where I'm here. Like, I don't have any friends here. Internet's slow. And uh, would I just sit here and watch TV? No. I bought a guitar for 80 bucks and I started recording music wow. while I was there. And I was like, I can do this and this can be something that I love that I have control over because acting, you don't have a lot of control over. As an actor, you're a, you're a contractor yeah. to fit into the mold of what someone else has written. You're expendable, man. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not that you're expendable because I, I don't think that when you get cast True. as a character, it's, it's because you are truly the right person for that yeah. role. But you are... The bassist in the band, you're, you're not the lead singer. Yeah. And then sometimes when you're the lead, you get producer credit, and then that's because you're the Christian Bale. But yeah. But like, most of the time, you're the hired drummer for the movie. You're you're one of the characters in an, in in the vision of a director or writer or a studio, and you don't 
have that much say. It's not your project. It's their project and you're working for them. Yeah. And with music, I'm like, this is mine, 100% mine. I've made this. It's from my heart. And it does fulfill that that artistic depth in a way where we go, I want to give my emotions a place to live. And I want to share this inner life with the world. Um, in some ways, I feel like it's it's music is better for that or writing mm-hmm. and acting and doing. I think it's similar in that sense in that music. What we're doing as actors is like a contractor in the way that if you join a rock band and you audition for someone's rock band yeah. and you're playing and singing their music is what we're doing as actors. Totally. Until you start producing, directing, writing your own stuff. Right. And for music, it's just easier yeah. to do and it And like yourself. you said yourself, you can you can be in I mean, Kentucky and get a guitar yeah, for $80. But I'm an, en- yeah. I'm an engineer too, so yeah. I know how to make it sound real and I have a good microphone and I can play guitar and sing. And so even that's if you all don't, go on YouTube, there's amazing tutorials. Do a voice memo. Yeah. Do GarageBand, you know. You can do that. Um, it's no longer like a side thing. It's like a... It's like a main thing totally, for me, which is cool. And you're so great. I'm like, let me do my acting and my music, and I'm doing both, and there's time for both. Yeah. And I think it's really important as an actor to keep that thing that is not acting that you love that makes you feel alive. Makes you feel alive. It makes you feel you, you've really gotten to put out your heart. I'm so grateful for your time, and I'm yeah. so proud of you, man. Thanks, I know man. it's only many more things to come, but where can uh, people stay in touch with you at? I've got a pretty active Instagram, I guess. Okay. So it's my name, Julian G, G-I-U-L-L-I-A-N-G. Um, and my music is now on Spotify uh, under the name Tarun, T-A-R-U-N. Tarun, Amazing. Uh, which is my music sort of moniker or alias. It was Love my, that. It was my Sanskrit name growing up, so I thought it was kind of cool to to use as a separate thing. Check me out on Iron Fist if you want yeah. on Netflix. That came out in September, which was really fun. And then when is the uh, Alex Wolf movie coming out? Uh, I don't know. You know, movies, indie movies, they don't usually start with distributors. Yeah, um, so he's doing the festival circuit. So the hope is to just find the right place to sell it. I've got three movies coming out. Dude. So hopefully they come out. But, I mean, even if they don't. They will. Not being dark about that. Yeah. But, you know, that, that journey is yeah. it's just so fun. All right, brother. I love you, man. Thanks right, for thanks, being here. Thanks, thanks for talking with me, man. Yeah, dude. It. Thank you for coming. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.